From the studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And thank you very much. Here we are again. This is episode 10, a decade of shows. No, I guess 10 weeks doesn't really count as a decade, does it? Okay, it's our 10th episode. Today, we are going to dive into our bag of tricks of our first strain explain in a while. That's one of the things we got lined up. We're trying to dive a little deeper into these, so we'll give you a little bit more detail about what the strain is, who grew it, where it was grown, the terpene profile, when we have it. This week, we're going to look at Ocean View, which is a sativa-dominant hybrid from Tweed. In retail, we're going to take a look as well. Things are still moving at a glacial pace here in BC. <laughs> we'll take a peek at that. We'll have a bit of a discussion in regards to what is happening in the general world of legalization. As many are discovering, even though, as we talked about last week in my discussion with Dana Larson, happy that legalization has occurred, there are definitely some tweaks that are needed. Like, for example, one of the stories we're going to talk about is the fact that in Ontario now, they are busting a whole bunch of people a day for various cannabis-related laws, shall we say? I use that term very loosely right now. And also, another thing that I wanted to touch on briefly is something we haven't really talked about much We have, but we haven't specifically. And by that, I mean, I want to make sure that for those who are in the audience that are still learning their way through cannabis, that we cover off all the terminology that we are so familiar with, and that is trichomes. We've talked about the terpenes, we've talked about THC and the CBD, but I don't think to date we've actually talked about where all of that resides in your cannabis, and that is on the trichomes. And if you get a chance to grow some, you can watch those beautiful trichomes develop and and change shades from clear to milky to amber if you let them go deep enough. And that's where everything is residing. So we'll touch as well a little bit on trichomes over this episode. The other thing we've discovered is that terpene information is not all that consistent. Apparently, we're going to need some standards because we should get to the point where we can know, based on the terpene profile, what that strain is going to do for us. But until the manufacturers start giving us that information in a consistent basis, that's a little difficult to do. So we got a whole bunch of things on the way for you today in episode number 10 of the Cannabis Podcast. And you can probably tell by the pace of my talking at the moment that I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> I got a little more Maui-Waui from Indigenous Bloom here in the Okanagan. We're still waiting for our first retail store that is a B.C. government-approved retail store. Perhaps I'm admitting more than I should at that point. In retail, things are still, as mentioned in the intro, still moving at such a glacial pace here in B.C. I think last week we talked about the fact that there was a new store in Tumblr Ridge. That was number eight in the private retail stores in our province. Still an amazing figure when I think about it. It seems that the holdup, and I guess everybody has known this, but we just I haven't said it myself, and that is the holdup is the provincial government. There are 172 applications that are currently in the funnel. I heard on the news just the other day that Kamloops, who, if you have been listening, you know is where the very first BC cannabis store was located, still is located, and the Kamloops City Council has now approved two more private retail stores, 
that aren't, of course, open because the provincial government is not moving along. They are the ones who are moving at such a glacial pace. So I did some simple math looking at the fact that we had Tumbler Ridge approved last week. And prior to that, it looked like there was one coming about every two weeks, let's say. So let's use that as an example. Let's say one is being approved about every two weeks. There's 172 in the funnel right now. So that'll only take, what, about 86 weeks to finalize all of those? So by the 86 weeks, now that's 1.65 years before all of those applications are processed. And then, of course, they got to go back to the municipalities and see if everything gets approved there. So Kamloops now, if you add those two private ones that they approved this last week, they have already approved seven retail stores. And only one is operating, of course, and that is the BC Cannabis Store. As we're starting to hear in the news, and something we'll touch on a little bit later as well, it almost seems intentional. Let's legalize it, but let's make it really, really hard to get. (laughs) Well, if that was the goal, they absolutely achieved that. Cannabis is really, really hard to get now for a lot of people, unless you buy it online from the BC Cannabis Store here in BC. And, And I understand that out on the other side of the country, we have stores that are closing because they have no supply. In fact, there is a store in Newfoundland. Let me get the story on that. So our thanks to OldCanada.com for this story, which is on the supply issues blamed as Newfoundland loses its first private regulated cannabis store. I mean, this is absolutely insane. October 17th, it became legalized. We were all thrilled about it. And then that, of course, changed the whole structure of how cannabis was being created We had massive supplies before legalization. We still have massive supplies after legalization. But I guess most of that is on the bad side of the world, over in the black market side of things, which is still strong, still thriving, the black market. A lot of people have gone back to it, and it's stories like this that are making that happen. So again, to quote from this story on OCanada.com, A privately owned cannabis store in Newfoundland is closing and the manager says supply issues are largely to blame. Puff Puff Pass Head Shop. What a great name. Puff Puff Pass Head Shop in Clarenville is the province's first private weed store casualty since recreational marijuana was legalized in October. It is one of just six private regulated cannabis retailers in Newfoundland and Labrador and will shut its doors for good on Thursday. Business manager Tina Greening says retailers in Newfoundland and Labrador are only allowed to purchase from seven licensed producers picked by the province's Liquor Commission. And if you remember back when we talked with Thomas H. Clark, that was one of the things he talked about, which was the problem. They can only get their product from those seven producers who are simply not providing the amount that they want. So the supply crunch has hampered government-run and private retailers across Canada, Greening also says the quality of the product was not to her customer's standard. Now, take for example, you've had a customer who has been consuming cannabis for, well, not since legalization, shall we say, not for three months, but how about 30 or 40 years? Well, if that's the case, they know what they want when they come into the store. And Greening adds, she's had customers say to her personally, you know, this is it. I've been in here so many times and you guys never have anything we want, so I'm just going back to the black market and I will never buy legal again. Now that says a lot about legalization in our country at this moment, and that is not a unique situation. I guess supply 
and quality and demand is a problem all across the country. Perhaps we're still a bit spoiled here in B.C., even though we don't have a lot of retail stores. I have yet to find a situation on the B.C. Cannabis Store where what I wanted wasn't available. But who knows? And clearly, as has already been indicated by price and by quality, a lot of people have already migrated back to the black market for their cannabis. So until this supply issue becomes resolved with perhaps a bit more strength, I think we're all facing some issues that are going to be, have to be faced by where do we buy our pot? Where are you getting yours? And is that going to change because of the way you see things right now? And that kind of feeds into the next story that I wanted to talk about, and that is uh, an article from CBC. It was an opinion piece by Neil MacDonald. And it was the headline in this piece that really struck my eye. And it actually not only struck my eye, but it struck one of those sister-in-laws that I mentioned earlier, who is a listener of the podcast. And she actually sent this to me as something that she thought that I would be really interested in. And I'm not going to read the whole opinion piece. If you want to see it, I'll have the link on the website underneath the episode. And you can go check it out for yourself. But the points that Neil McDonald is making in here are really good ones. And there's just a couple of key phrases that I want to share with you. The first is his headline. The business of legal pot is a clanking, wheezing, government-created Rube Goldberg machine. Now that's some good writing. Thank you very much on that, Neil. The whole point of his article is the fact, as to what we were saying before, that a lot of this is on purpose. They wanted to make cannabis very, very hard to get at. And the theory he's putting forth is that the liberals, as they started talking about legalization, were getting such a pushback from the conservatives that they wanted to make the impression that they were, in fact, suppressing cannabis through legalization. So make it very, very hard to get. Make the access really, really difficult. And hopefully that will deal with a lot of the issues they perceived. A lot of those issues that, of course, haven't materialized as well. But the points he's making in this article are that there is so much of that going on that we are years away from getting all of this resolved. Another quote from Neil's article, the answer to all of this problem is bureaucrats couldn't give a toss about business plans. It's all about control and taxation. And that's becoming more and more obvious. Look at what's happening in Ontario with the 25 stores in the lottery system. And the fact that some municipalities have said, yes, we will allow cannabis, and other municipalities say no. I thought that was one of Dana Larson's greatest quotes in the interview last week was, how can you have a town be allowed to do that for something that is legal? You don't do it for anything else. And that clearly shows us that there is still an incredible stigma associated to cannabis in the non-cannabis world, the world that I still like to refer to as the reefer madness world. Those of us in this society that still believe those stupid stories in reefer madness, that smoking a joint makes you absolutely stupid and destroys your brain. Someday people are going to figure out that that is not quite true. <laughs> That's a look at retail in Canada today. Let's hope it starts to improve. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. When I thought about this particular topic, I was quite surprised that it actually hadn't been covered before. 
It's probably one of the first things that I should have covered off in the first episode or two to give a foundation for an understanding of cannabis and the magic of the cannabis plants, because as you're about to find out, all of that magic resides in a specific part of the cannabis plant. My thanks to the folks at leafly.ca for another great article. This is What are Trichomes and Why Do They Exist on Cannabis? Now, the reason I think it's important to explain this now is I talk about trichomes in the Strain Explain that you're going to hear a little bit later in this episode. And for those who were unfamiliar with that term, I wanted to make sure that it was understood before we actually got into that content. As we all know, well, as many of us know, when it comes to cannabis, there's quite a bit more than what meets the naked eye. If you fancy the flower, at some point in time, you've probably asked yourself about those tiny little crystals that always seem to cover the leaves and buds of your favorite strains. They tend to be shiny, sticky, and always carry the most amazing aromas. And when you look closer, these blankets of frost appear to be large collections of what are known as trichomes. Now, the actual definition of trichome is fine outgrowths or appendages on plants, algae, lichens, and certain protists. It originates from the Greek word trichoma, meaning growth of hair. These tiny microscopic mushroom-looking protuberances look like something out of a science fiction novel, but they're actually the very factories that produce the hundreds of known cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids that make our favorite cannabis strains potent, unique, and effective. So what's the function of trichomes on cannabis? Why are they there? Well, <laughs> the production of trichomes can be observed in many species of plants throughout nature. They take on various physical forms as well as serving many different purposes, like trichomes found on some carnivorous plants aid in helping to catch the prey. But in cannabis, trichomes function as a defense mechanism. When female cannabis plants begin to produce flowers in the wild, they often become vulnerable to various insects and animals, as well as non-living environmental variables, such as potentially harmful UV rays. Well, trichomes serve as a deterrent from animals because their bitter taste and strong aromas render cannabis flowers unpalatable. To animals, perhaps. <laughs> At the same time, they also serve a dual function in protecting their plants from damaging winds and even some varieties of fungal growth. Now, there are different types of trichomes on cannabis. The three distinct types are bulbous trichomes. Those are the smallest of the bunch. They appear on the surface of the entire plant. Bulbous trichomes are as small as 10 to 15 micrometers, which is tiny enough to only be comprised of a handful of cells. Then there's the capiate sessile trichomes. They're slightly larger and contain both a head and a stalk. These trichomes are quite a bit more abundant than their bulbous brethren, but they can't hold a candle to the bountifulness and size of the third trichome variety, which is capitate stalked trichomes. These range from anywhere between 50 to 100 micrometers wide, meaning they're much larger and can actually be seen by the naked eye. The structure consists of a stalk comprised of epidermal and hypodermic cells that build up to a basal cell, which attaches to a large gland head. And this gland head held together by a waxy cuticle layer, serves as the epicenter for cannabinoid and terpenoid synthesis. All three types of trichomes produce cannabinoids, though it is the capitate stalk trichomes that will appear in abundance in and around the budding flowers, and producing the highest concentration of essential oils due to their size. 
And if you ever get a chance, and we got a chance to do this last year when we grew some sativa, and as those trichomes were developing it, again, using my 20 times magnifying glass, it was fascinating to watch those trichomes develop because they start out clear, crystal clear. And as the plant starts to develop and, and attains more cannabinoids and terpenes, that clarity turns to a milky substance. And the transition of color within a trichome head represents its peak ripeness. And farmers typically use this as a sign to harvest, which is exactly what we did, because it's at that point when the trichome has reached its full maturation, it will then begin to degrade from this point forward. And my understanding, at least when we harvested, we harvested at full milky color, not letting them go to amber. There is a ton more information for you to discover about trichomes. That is where the magic lies. That's where our cannabinoids, THC, and our terpenes are residing. I thought it was time that we give a proper explanation to what a trichome is. If you want to dive more into the details, you can explore the rest of the article with the link back on the website. Now you know a bit more about trichomes than you did yesterday. THC, CBD, let's talk about the chemistry, explain that strain. Now here we are, with the first of our Strain Explains with our new batch of strains. As mentioned last week, we purchased a number of single grams from the BC Cannabis Store to give us a sense of what some of these other strains were doing without investing a ton of money. <laughs> And the other thing that I did differently this time is typically I would buy something in the cheap range. I'm a pretty cheap guy when it comes to buying my pot. I like a high THC, but I also like to pay a good price for it. And I have been buying the stuff that's been, you know, the $5.99, the $6.99, maybe the $8.99 a gram. This time I decided to step it up a little bit. And each one of the grams that is going to be in our review over the next few weeks is a little higher price. We're going to start with this one. This is Ocean View, a sativa dominant, and its price is $9.99 a gram. Now, the brand for this, and this is also something I'm going to try to do, is provide more details about the strains that I'm talking about. So that if you go searching for them on bccannabis.com, for example, or any other place, you'll have a better chance of coming across it. So this is called Ocean View is the name. The brand is LBS. The producer is Canopy Growth Corporation, which I find interesting because in the box it says Tweed from Smith Falls, Ontario. So it is grown in Ontario in a greenhouse. The THC of this particular strain, the individual THC value is 0.78%. And then your total THC after decarboxylation, 11.9%. The CBD in this strain is pretty low. It's probably less than or equal to 0.07%. It's the THC that I'm more interested in. And the other interesting piece I find about this particular strain, and kind of one of the reasons why I'm starting off with it, we've been talking a whole bunch the last few weeks about the magic of terpenes. Those terpenes that reside in those wonderful trichomes, uh, well, there's no terpene profile available for this particular strain. Let me give you the description for this strain, because it doesn't meet what the end product is at all. <laughs> this is the first time I've come across that. Ocean View. It is an orange-tinged sativa strain with full trichome coverage. The strain's dense flowers are dried to a moisture level that suits any kind of whole flower consumption, from vaporization to combustion. You can expect sweet-smelling buds with this strain, just like ripe berries. We're going to come back to many of those points as we go through this strain, because 
This is the first time I'm finding not a lot of that stuff is matching up with my reality. Now, the one thing that does match up, there is a lot of orange tinge in these sativa buds. I have to say that. The buds themselves are well-trimmed. They look good. But when we get back to the description, I pulled out my 20 times glass to take a look at the trichomes, and I had trouble finding a lot of those trichomes. They were not overly abundant as I looked at those buds. I mean, when I hold the bud up with just the naked eye, I can see no crystallization, no trichomes at all. I could see some with the glass, but not nearly what I would expect when the description says full trichome coverage. And I guess the other part that I wanted to talk about is the moisture level. Their phrasing was, dense flowers dried to a moisture level that suits any kind of whole flower consumption. <laughs> well, here's the moisture level that I found. When I pulled out that orange-tinged bud, that's true, there, there is a lot of orange filaments to the bud. But as soon as I put that between my fingers, it, it literally crumbled on the table. I didn't even have to squeeze it very hard. It just crumbled. So it's pretty dry. And, and whether or not that's holding up to the phrase of a moisture level that suits any kind of whole flower consumption, I'm not so sure about. The other thing I want to do differently to, again, keep things in the context with others is, you know, if you've been a listener at all, that I like using my vaporizer. That's how I smoke most of my cannabis. Today, because I'm doing an explain of a strain and I want to have some variants that we can compare with others, I'm putting in a joint so that we can see whether there's white ash, which of course is what we're hoping to see. That dark black ash, an indication that something else has been added to our cannabis just as it's coming to fruition. Want to make sure that is the case. So let's give it a try. Ocean View, sativa dominant. And again, when I popped the top on this, <laughs> I was expecting sweet-smelling buds. <laughs> oh, this is probably my first real disappointment. It just smells dirty. Like, not earth dirty, just... It just smells dirty. It's the best phrase I can find for it. It's not moldy, but there's definitely no sweet-smelling buds, and there's definitely no berries that I'm tasting. So, let's give it a taste, rather than just a sniff. Here's the joint. Light her up. Get the end fired up. No sweet-smelling taste either, I have to say. Now here, I already told you the THC values. We know that there's no terpene profile available. And I was hoping I could maybe make a guess. If I could smell some, some pine, would indicate some pinene or... If I'm looking for true earthy tones, then myrcene might be involved, but this is more dirty dirt than earthy tones. So I'm not smelling a whole lot of good things here. And there is number two in terms of the intake and the hold for the ingestion. Now with the sativa total of 11.9%, I don't expect to be blown off my feet here, but I would expect to feel some happy eyes pretty soon. And I'm not feeling a lot of happy eyes so far. Yeah, I guess there's a, there's a hint of something there. Well, I guess that's why we experiment, isn't it? Because I can pretty well tell you that the next time I go shopping and I go looking for a bud that I want to purchase, it is not going to be the $9.99 per gram bud called Ocean View 
from Canopy Growth Corporation. The sample I've got before me says, I don't think I want to try it again. You can make your own judgments. Now, I did mention the ash, so I should cover off what the ash looked like. Let's give it the positives when we can. And yes, true to form, the ash produced by the joint was a nice white ash. There was no darkness to it. It held on fairly well. So the ash part of it, that went well. That is our Strain Explain for Ocean View Sativa Dominant. And I wanted to finish off today's episode with a story that I came across on Global News this last week. And it's one of the things that lots of people have been talking about with cannabis legalization. That there are now more ways to be penalized for cannabis than there were before it was legalized. I mean, before you got a possession charge. That was about it. Now, it's absolutely bizarre. The headline on this story from Global News, which again I put into the comments section so that you can check out the link. Police in Ontario are writing about 21 cannabis tickets a day. <laughs> Seriously? And this is legalization. <clears throat> Police in Ontario have been writing about 21 tickets a day for cannabis-related offenses since legalization last October. <laughs> wow. I guess it's true. This is just a scheme and a scam to get more money. These have been provincial tickets laid under the same system as traffic tickets, but are separate from the Federal Cannabis Act, which provides for long prison sentences. The most common charge, so 1,047 of the 1,652 charges laid, was having cannabis available in a vehicle. And we started to hear this soon after cannabis was legalized. Because again, before legalization, you know, you'd have a joints or something in your pocket and you're heading out somewhere. You'd get busted for possession. But now even somebody sitting in the car can be busted. And this is what's happening. Basically, it's as if you have a joint in a cup holder or a small baggie in a cup holder. If you have cannabis in your vehicle, it should be in the trunk. This is some advice from Toronto-based lawyer Jack Lloyd referenced in this story. Lloyd points out that the charge applies even if the cannabis can't be immediately consumed. If there's a bag of dried flour in the front seat, for example. And his further quote is, it's completely arbitrary. It's not rationally connected to the purpose of the legislation, which is to prevent impaired driving. And he knows a guy who represented himself and resolved it himself for $500. He paid the ticket and was on his way. The largest traffickers may max out at $25,000, which would be a bit more of a fine. The data shows that strong regional differences in enforcement across the province exist, too. A region including York, Durham, Bracebridge, and Peterborough saw 117 ticketed for underage cannabis possession, far more than any other area. Toronto had 57. A charge of being someone under 19 in possession of cannabis attracts a fine of at most $200, which can be waived if the teen goes to an approved drug education program. However, Toronto Police wrote almost all the province's tickets for unlawful sale of cannabis, 184 tickets, or being landlord of a building where cannabis is being sold illegally, 22 of 24 charges. This is, this is insane. If you want more details, check out the full story on Global News. This is an area of legalization that I still haven't wrapped my head around. I can't believe that there are more ways now to be arrested and charged, fined, or whatever you want to call it, for cannabis than there were prior to legalization. 
This is absolutely insane, people. And I guess that kind of also explains why, even though cannabis is legal, when a retail store is opened, it still has that stigma. We have to stuff it into a, a, another part of the city where nobody's going to see it. Come on. It's either legalized or it's not. There are so many things we got to fix in our country, and this is one of them. If you have any suggestions on how it can be fixed, share them with me and I'll share them with the world next time we talk. Same thing if you have any suggestions for people that you think we should be talking to on the Cannabis Podcast. We want to hear about them, see if we can get them on as a guest. It's been another exciting episode for me. I hope it was for you as well. And we will have another strain explained. Let's kind of pick. Let's see what we're going to do next week. Oh, there's one. I just pulled it out. It's going to be Broken Coast. We've had lots of success with looking at Broken Coast product. So next week, we will do another strain explained. And I think we got all the details on this one, including the terpene profile. And that strain explained is going to be on Quadra from Broken Coast next week. Thank you for being here for episode number 10 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.